Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by the American Raptors. I'm Henry Chisholm, and uh, today I actually thought of something new to talk about, which is wild. Like, it seems like the conversations we have on this podcast occasionally are, you know, just updates on previous conversations, and there's some new stuff in there as well. But I wanted to dig deeply, dig, yeah, dig deeply into the special team situation. Um, it's really easy to ignore special teams because it's what? I mean, there's one play at the beginning. Uh, could be a punt on that first drive. Say there's five punts in a game. There's, uh, you know, say eight, either field goals or extra points that are kicked. So that's eight plus five plus one. And, oh, I guess with those eight, there's eight more kickoffs. 16, five, 21. So 22 plays. Say there's about 22 plays. Meanwhile, you're running like 80 plays of offense, 80 plays of defense. And so, again, it just, uh, those things don't happen quite so much. And more often than not, they're, they're, nothing really happens, right? Like on a kickoff. Like there's a reason the NFL has been tossing around. Like, do we just get rid of kickoffs for a decade now? And the answer is no, because the one in 20 that gets brought back for a touchdown, those are a lot of fun. And we're going to talk about somebody who did that last year. We're going to talk about all these special teams things because there's a lot of turnover in terms of the special teamers. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of turnover everywhere. But six of the ten players who played the most special teams for CU last season, they're now gone. And, you know, Carson Wells is part of that list. And you're like, well, yeah, of course Carson Wells is gone. That's not the, the big loss with Carson Wells. Actually, he was 18th. Tenth was Mark Perry. Seventh was Matt Lynch. Fifth was Jack Lamb, you know, John Van Deest, Alec Pell, Ray Robinson. Like, that's a bunch of guys who, when they leave, you say, yeah, yeah, okay. I mean, you probably weren't going to see the field all that much. And it, it's always, if you could have more people, have more people, but opening up a scholarship, whatever, we'll, we'll live. Those are some of your big impact special teamers. And sometimes those losses can matter. Um, so I ran through a bunch of special team stats today which is something that I've literally never done before. That's why I'm honestly so excited about this, I think, is because I've never just dug this deeply into special team stats before, and that's why there's so much new stuff to talk about today. You know, we talked about, we'll talk about snap counts, but then also, I mean, Daniel Arias, he's forced the second most fair catches in CU history, and there's some other stats like that. Um, I should say there's a, there's a story up now at the DNVR dot com it's basically like like the other depth chart stories i've been doing except it's special teams you know it starts with the returners and the punter and the long snapper and all that stuff and that's where we're gonna start too but i think a lot of that's pretty simple what i'm excited for is the grimy stuff at the end that only the nerdiest most footballiest people are going to care even a little bit about um it's a big friday it's a big friday for me and hopefully you heard that and you were like yeah that's me that's me too, and and you're ready to get grimy with the disgusting special teams players. You know, we're going to talk about Jaylee Stacks. Jaylee Stacks, who I think played eight special teams snaps last year, is he going to be an impact special teams player this year? I think there's a I think there's a real chance, but that's a bit of a spoiler. Um, so that's a plan for today. I'm wrapping up the week with the special teams. Special teams means special times, by the way. Um, no news. No notes, because how, I mean, how could there be news? It's May 13th. Friday the 13th, I just realized. And and I the 
so I saw a tweet earlier, somebody saying like they got married on Friday the 13th. And I was like, oh, weird. I wonder, why are you just tweeting this? Like nobody, nobody freaking cares. But then I guess there is context and the context it's Friday the 13th. We're going to knock on wood right now just to have one in the bank for in case I forget one later. Cause that seems like a bad day to forget that. Um, yeah, I don't have, I, I wish I prepared some Friday the 13th thoughts but i really didn't i mean the movie it's kind of weird it's a scary movie i yeah friday the 13th that's a good movie that's no i didn't see the original i saw the new one i saw the new one and it was good so i imagine the original is good too uh, anything else friday the 13th related Ooh, dre has two black cats he just got in second one his four-year-old daughter wants to name it uh a muffin sock so I'm a fan for that. Okay, we can dig in. There's nothing to talk about. My life is boring. Um, yeah. So we're gonna get like the the kind of normal guy stuff out of the way. Um, the things that I think people actually you you know you care about. You're you're going to find out you care about all this other gross special team stuff. But this you know you care about. Um, things like who's the kicker? Well, it's Cole Becker, and there actually is a little bit more drama here than I'd realized. I mean, it's it's Cole Becker. Cole Becker's the kicker, and there's, again, we'll knock on wood, there's no way that he is healthy and not out there kicking. We'll knock on wood for bringing up health. Um, behind him, though, a bit of a competition because, um, you know, Mac Willis, he'll, he'll do some kickoffs. He won't do any kickoffs when Cole Becker's out there, but he's, he's done kickoffs in the past. And could he be... Your your number two kicker, I think that's very possible. Um, he also is now playing cornerback, so I don't think his heart's really in trying to compete with Cole Becker. Nobody wants to compete with Cole Becker. You know, any kicker coming out right now is like, yeah, we know Cole. Cole's really freaking good. He's he was depending on where you go, a top five kicker. But I mean, he was called the number one kicker in the country. Wherever people don't want to compete with Cole. There's no reason to compete with Cole. Um, but Mac Willis could be that number two. Ashton Logan, the new punter. I would have to imagine he's kicked before. I, I, I We know that he has kicked before. Uh, Noah Hubbard, the backup punter, we don't know that he's kicked before. One of those three would be the backup kicker. I don't know. I mean, without seeing him kick, it's just hard to say. Not once during spring did it cross my mind to ask Carl who the backup kicker is. Like, if, if something, knock on wood, where, who who goes out there? Not once did that cross my mind to ask. Maybe I'll do that in the fall. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it could be a situation where they say, well, we're not kicking field goals if we don't have coal. Or it could be a situation where they say, like, oh, anything within 38, 39, 40, we're good. Or it could be a situation where they're like, hey, Ashton Logan, sneaky pretty good. He's got the leg, maybe a little inaccurate. If there's a reason to kick it, we might kick it 50. That one surprises me a little bit if that were to be the case who's who's to say what could be going on um yeah so i mean that's pretty simple cole becker's your kicker he's your kickoff guy that this is not in doubt until the day that he leaves for the nfl is the way that i see it um again he's got to prove himself he, he's got to do better than he did last year you know he missed a couple kicks last year um has such a big leg though it's just getting used to it and figuring out how to take care of it and get and develop and all that sort of stuff um, Cole Becker is not a man whose job is in doubt though um, either of his jobs kickoff job too um, at punter it's Ashton Logan 
Uh, this is actually even more open and shut than the kicker debate because even on like their roster, they only have two guys in the punter category. They do have like all those other, all, both the punters in with the kickers as well. When you look, look at the kickers, so it's like who's the backup? Who freaking knows? With punter, your starter is Ashton Logan, and it's that simple. Um, he gray shirted last year, you know, committed, didn't show up on campus till this spring, uh, saved that scholarship for CU. Uh, Josh Watts was the punter. Josh Watts' time was up, and so Josh Watts moved on, as was always the plan, because it's Ashton Logan's turn. Um, he's your punter. Noah Hubbard, he's your backup punter. Uh, I, I honestly don't have anything else to say. Like, there's other, if we were talking about defensive ends, it'd be like, oh, yeah, you know, it's a freshman. Maybe he needs to put on some size. With Ashton Logan, like, there's, what, do you, what is there to say? It's like, hmm, yeah, hopefully he punts well. Hope he hope he kicks it far, but not so far. It's outside of his coverage. Like there's I mean, with there's nothing to talk about here. We're moving along to these moving along to these long snappers. Um, so long snapper. It's a uh, it's Derek Bedell. He was the long snapper last year. He'll be the long snapper this year. There is a backup long snapper. That's Cameron Warchuk, and he's the backup. Uh, again, like if you can't analyze punters, what is there to say about the snappers? Um, Ashton Logan, probably your holder. Mac Willis could be your holder. Matt Lynch was your holder last year. So you, you do have some turnover there. So the, the holder turnover. Um, I'd imagine it's nice to have some sort of chemistry with your holder. If you're a kicker, I'd also imagine that it's not all that important. Um, so there we go. What a Friday. What a Friday, right? Um, before in the second half of this podcast, we're going to dig into like all the super deep stuff. We got to round this out, though, with uh, the returners. And when you look at the returners, first of all, here's an interesting thing. In that post-spring, I mean, they call it a depth chart they gave out. Really, they just grouped guys by position and then put them in alphabetical order, which, you know, again, we've talked about this before, but I understand. Like, you don't want, you don't necessarily need rankings. I think Mel Tucker took it a different way. He was like, yes, we need everybody to know where they stand. And I don't even know that Mel would be, like, ranking guys based on, like, where they are on the depth chart. He's probably just ranking them based on what it does with their head. It's like, hmm, what do you think of this guy? He needs to be called a number three so that we can get the most out. What about this guy? Uh, he needs to be a number two. You know, you got to push him a little bit, but no, these things. What, what, what do you need with this guy? He needs to be told he's good and he's the number, you know. So it's not like these depth charts, if they were in order, mean anything at all this time of year because I mean, they don't. Um, but it is fun, right? It is fun. It's kind of like a, it's kind of like a horse race through the off season, where it's just like, okay, who's who's playing with a will linebacker? Oh, it's him. Oh, it's him. Oh, it's back to this guy. Like, oh, the freshmen, they could, you know. So that part of it is fun, and this is just groups. The point of all of this is just to say, when it comes to the returners, there's two different categories: kick returner, punt returner. Two players listed in each. Um, at, let's start kick return. Nico Reed is listed. Dion Smith is listed. Uh, those two are very much in the competition. I think Maurice Bell is also right there. Uh, Maurice was a part of it in 2020, but missed last season with the injury. He uh, he could be back there. Uh, Dion could be back there. Nico, to me, is, is a pretty clear favorite, although he do definitely doesn't have the job locked up. Um, but I do think he's the favorite to take that. You know, Carl's talked about him as a returner, and he did say, like, you know, th there's other guys who, who can do some good things, and we're going to look at them all. But he brought up just Nico and the type of athlete that he is and the 
way that he sees the field with the ball. And I think that at this point, Nico is the favorite. You remember, he uh, he got to return a kick last year. He returned one kick all year. It was in that Utah game. And uh, right after halftime, Buffs are down, <laughs> classic Buffs, uh, down 14-6 to six at halftime. Uh, opening kickoff the second half, Nico retakes it, breaks a tackle, gets up the sideline, outruns some really fast. There is no way they let that man kick. Because even if you're a kicker, like, that guy was a long snapper. But then what is he doing out there on kick team? Who knows? Point is, Nico was able to get around him, too, and it was a touchdown. So one return, 100 yards, touchdown. I think I think he's he is the favorite. There is a favorite here. When you look at the punt return competition, though, I'm not so, so sure that there's a favorite. Remember, Dimitri Stanley was the punt returner last year. He was good. Um, 12 yards per return. Uh, you'll, you'll remember some of those games. I think Arizona State game, he had a couple big ones where he was like, ah, you know, he, he had quite a few of those. And if it's a lot better than the ones where it's like, catch, four steps, got him. Ah, okay. But but although he never did break that really big one, he was consistently pulling off some decent gains. He was consistently making that first guy miss at least, and that's worth 5, 10 yards every single time. So uh, I do think that maybe this is a part that we've underrated. Honestly, maybe losing Dimitri Stanley, the biggest loss is his returnability. I'm not I'm not willing to say that that's my my belief, but that thought just crossed my mind and it's uh I definitely can't shoot it down instantly and we don't have time for me to talk through this one. Um but there's that that was a lot of his value to this team, especially last year when the offense wasn't doing much. If he can get you to the 50 and cut that field in half, that is very valuable. So there are some big shoes to fill. And when we talk about, you know, this offense and what it does this year, you know, if, if the starting field position's a little bit worse this year, that that would have an impact on this team, on this team in particular. Um, I think, so So Chase Penry got a lot of opportunities afterward. Uh, Nico Reed had a return in there as well. I think it was like four returns for Penry, one for Nico. And I couldn't find the fair catch stats. I'm sure they're out there. They do a great job tracking those things. Um, and so, I mean, if if uh, Nico returned one punt, he probably had three more that he fair caught, you know. Um, so I'm not too worried about the breakdown, especially because both of those are pretty low numbers. But I do think that Chase Penry and, and Nico Reed, the two guys listed in that category, it might just be a two-horse race there. I'm struggling to think of... I mean, R.J. Sneed would be the the dark horse. It's like they bring him in. He's solid after the catch. He's, he's a receiver, so you trust his hands. Um, I actually don't know if he's ever returned before. I'd be surprised if he factors in here. But if you're looking for a dark horse, I mean, he could be that guy. Um, I was trying to think, like, safeties. Like, if Mark Perry was still here, he'd be kind of a dark horse, although it's still unlikely. Um yeah, I can't think of anybody else who'd be... Unless, like, a Jeremy Mack. You know, Jeremy Mack, who played Juco last year as a freshman, comes in this year as a safety. It's like, could he be that guy? Like, it's possible, but it's only possible because I know almost nothing about him except his stats from Juco last year, you know? So, yeah, I, 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 I'm I, struggling to come up with others. I guess Jalen Jackson, he's kind of that quick twitch type of guy. You could see him getting a chance. Um, but, yeah... Chase Penry, Nico Reed. I've got slight edge for Nico Reed just because of, uh, I mean, just the the kick return last time, last year, what we've heard from the coaching staff about him. I think it's, uh, 
and not his job to lose. Again, this is 51-49. We're splitting hairs. But he might have the slight edge. Whereas Penry, again, good hands. He's a wide receiver. But he's he can be a little shifty. I think he's got good vision. Um, I, Do I have these stats still pulled up? I hope I do. Um, Oh, there it is. No, that's not it. That's not it. I might not have them pulled up anymore, which is a shame. But, it, oh, no, I do. There it is. There it is. I was about to give up. Um, Penry, three returns. Actually, average 53. Or, sorry, average 17 yards per return. That's more than I would have guessed. I don't remember the big one. The long was 23 yards. So, with an average of 17... You take out, so let's see, 53, so that was 30 over the other two. So 23, 15, 15, or 23, 20, 10. Regardless, those are better numbers than I remembered. So, intriguing. Maybe you give the slight edge to Penry. I'm, I'm going to change this. I'm going to give the slight edge to Penry. Kick returners, uh, Nico. Punt returners, Chase Penry. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, okay. Now, if that didn't scare you guys off, uh, the second half of the podcast absolutely will. Cause like I said, we're getting the grind. We're talking about the punt coverage unit. Aren't you guys fired up? We're talking about the punt coverage unit today. Uh, before we get to that though, we do need to uh, talk about a couple of our friends. First, Sexy Pizza. Uh, Sexy Pizza has a bunch of locations, four locations in Denver, one location in Trinidad, Colorado, which... Actually, this seems like a good day for me to learn where that is. I'm going to type that in maps. Trinidad. Um, while we talk about, or while I search this, first of all, sexy pizza. Best pizza in Colorado? I don't think that's crazy to say. I think that people would back that up. Um, it's deck oven hand-tossed pizza. They make their dough from scratch. They've got gluten-free options. They've got vegan options. They've got all the toppings you could want, all the sizes you could want. Um, the garlic knots are really good. It's a good pizza place. And like I said, they're everywhere. Three hours from here. Trinidad's three hours away. Which direction? Trinidad, that... Oh, wow. That's basically on the border with New Mexico. Interesting. That's a long way away for... Like four here. There's also a Starkville down there, but that's not the point. The point is, if you're down there in New Mexico and looking for a reason to cross the border to a better place, this is your reason. Go to Trinidad. Go to Sexy Pizza. And if you're not interested in pizza right now, go to Lightshade Dispensary, and you will be. Uh, Wana, the fastest sleep optimals, those are an awesome way to fall asleep. They're maybe not the best way to want pizza, but I'm sure you could fit that in. Uh, the problem is if you take those, those gummies, it's like five to 15 minutes before you start to feel sleepy. Again, they don't, they throw like a little bit of that, uh, melatonin, melatonin in it. Uh, but it's mostly CBD, some THC in there as well to help. Um, but it's none of that over the counter stuff that just knocks you out for 10 hours and, and makes you feel super groggy the next day. Um, it really is, uh, uh good stuff. You should get your hands on. Oh, and I should say, um, it's, it's like goes after the root causes of sleeplessness. Uh, it's not like just this, 
Like, it's science. It's science. Uh, like I said, you can find one at Colorado's premier dispensary that's light shade with 11 convenient Denver Metro and Aurora locations. The Barnum location is now open. It's one block off of 6th and Federal. It's the biggest light shade store with specialty products that are not offered at other locations. They offer something for everyone from the casual consumer to the connoisseur. And they have a premium selection of cannabis, concentrates, top shelf flower, edibles, tinctures, accessories, and more. Plus, Podcast listeners can get 25% off all non-sale items with the code DNVR. Shop online at lightshade.com for pickup or visit a Lightshade location near you. Uh, And finally, DraftKings Sportsbook. If you guys haven't gotten in on DraftKings yet, now's the time. uh, Because if you bet $5 on any NBA game, you have to pick a winner. If you get that winner right, you get $150 in free bets. It's an awesome promotion from our guys over at DraftKings. And like I said, now's the time to get in. Plus, you can get in all the hockey playoffs. And there's some fun stuff happening. Oh, I didn't realize. Rangers and Penguins already started. I started... I just don't know where these days keep going. You know, these days keep disappearing. But it's hockey time. It's time to make bets. It's time to make money. So make sure that you use that code DMVR when you sign up. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game and you'll get $150 in free bets if you if you're correct. That's promo code DMVR only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right. Um... DraftKings pick of the week. I'm struggling with this one. The, the tough part, here's I'll, I'll, I'll think through this. I want to take the Avs to win the series against the Blues. The problem is they're minus 380 to win the series, which means you bet $38, you win 10. You turn into 48, and that's just not good value. I think the way to do it is to say Colorado minus a game and a half. So that would mean... They minus a game and a half would mean they win four two or four one or four zero, so you just can't go seven games. That's a good bet. That's a good bet, and yeah, especially at minus one seventy. That's solid. It just can't go seven games. That's fine. That's totally fine. Let's 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 lock that in. That's your DraftKings pick of the week. All right. Um, into, like I said, some of this kind of grimy stuff. So I put together, what what I did is basically came up with a list of eight guys who I think are going to be the most important special teams-wise this season. And it's really hard to do that because there's so many different factors. Um, you're, you're wondering about, are you so good on offense that... We just can't put you there. You know, Deion Smith, breakthrough year. All of a sudden, Deion, you got to give him the ball every single snap. You're just like, ah, we really want to throw the ball here. Sure, there's literally two guys in coverage because they're also worried about Deion. Ah, let's still give it to Deion. Deion's the best running back in the country. If that happens, then Deion's not going to be playing many special teams, you know? And and so there's that piece of everything. Um, There's... There's a lot of pieces that go into who's good on special teams. But the point is, I, I I decided I'd just go with who do I think will make the biggest impact on special teams this season. Now, this could be because you're playing so many snaps. It could be because you're on one or two units, but you're super impactful on those units. Although, again, you have to be really impactful to make up for that. Point is, who are the guys who, if you didn't have them, you'd be like, ah, oh, well, special teams, they're going to struggle because of that. And obviously, this doesn't count the kickers. 
nothing counts the kickers. They're kickers. Um, but here's where we started. I went number one, Anthony Lyle. Ooh, we, reverse order would have been fun for this. Already spoiled the top spot, though, so we're not doing that. Uh, Anthony Lyle, a safety, a walk-on. He was actually working with the starters during the spring game at safety. And that was a surprise, but with Isaiah Lewis sideline, and you still got a couple pieces coming in over the summer, the kind of like the it was like uh, Moses. It was like Moses when the sea parts, and then all of a sudden it's like, yep, walk right through. It's like there's your clear path to the starting lineup for this spring game. Um, so I don't think that he's going to be a big part of the defense this year. Again, that I could be wrong. I could definitely be wrong. Um, but I think that what his role will be is to provide depth there and maybe rotate in. You know, if somebody gets hurt, then maybe he's the guy off the bench who comes in, whatever. Um, knock on wood, it's Friday 13th, not messing with that. Uh, but he will be important on special teams. He actually played the most special team snaps on the team last season, which is, again, I, I wouldn't have guessed that. I wouldn't have guessed that. Um, I won't pull these stats up. There they are. There they are. I finished third in special teams points. I should say, so special teams points, there's a lot of different ways to get them. Obviously, like, obviously if you block a kick, you, you get special teams points. Um, if you have a block where you knock somebody over or it kind of like sets up a big return or if you cause a penalty, you draw a penalty, um, if you're the first player downfield, if you force a fair catch, just anything that you can take that's kind of tangible, you get points for it. You get points for it. Um, Anthony Lyle, like I said, most special team snaps, third most special teams points. Um, there was kind of a big drop off. He was at 20. Daniel Arias was first with 22. Fourth was 13 with Alec Pell and Ray Robinson. So, so there's kind of these top three guys who are the most impactful. And we'll talk about the other two in a second. Um, but with Anthony Lyle, what really stood out, he led the team in knockdown or springing blocks on kick returns with eight. He had eight big blocks on kick returns. Um, and he did a bunch of other things as well, obviously. You don't get up that high if, if you don't. Um, the four unassisted tackles stand out. There's There were a couple guys with five, but that's uh, the I guess he winds up tied for third. So he does a lot of different things, and he plays on all the different special teams units. Um, I believe he might not be on the kick units. No, he's not on the field goal block or field goal kick units, but everything else he does... He's number one on the list because everything just comes together. Like, obviously, he's good at it. Um, obviously, he's done it a lot in the past. You assume he's going to do it a lot in the future. On top of that, you're not expecting him to be like, ah, oh, well, uh, you know, he's now playing 40 snaps on defense. Should we cut him down from 20 to 10 snaps per game on special teams? That's, again, anything's possible. I'd be surprised by that. Uh, number two, Daniel Arias. Uh, he's actually, at this point, one of the big special teams guys ever. He's seventh all-time in special teams points. Um, like I said, led the team in special teams points last year. Um, for him, I mean, the force fair catches, the five force fair catches, that was the most on the team. But really, I mean, was this? Assisted tackles, uh, he was second. Um, assisted tackles inside the 20, he was first. Like, like just every every category, he's doing something. I believe he also, he, he wasn't on the field nearly as much. He had, uh, he was 13th in special team snaps. Uh, played a little less than half of what Anthony Lyle played. Still finished with 22 special teams points. Um, didn't do much of kick coverage. 
uh, or the field goal units. Um, and then maybe it was sporadic on, like sporadic on kick return. Those sorts of details aren't the biggest thing in the world. But I do think Daniel Arias, I mean, he maybe should be number one on this list. But just because he wasn't on every unit, wasn't out there quite so much. And because, again, is his role going to increase on offense this year? And because of that, maybe he plays even less special teams? I doubt it. I doubt it gets to the point where they take him off of special teams because that's what he's really good at. But, I mean, you, we, we're, when we're looking at the top of this list, I mean, Anthony Lyle, it's not going to happen probably. You know, it's a 5% chance he's a starter on this defense or a key rotational piece. Whereas Daniel Arias, it's like, yeah, 50-50, he's one of those. But 25% chance he actually turns out to be a your, your best receiver, whatever you want to say about it. Uh, but Daniel Arias fits in at number two. Number three. Torin Pittman. Um, we talked about him a little bit, but kind of X factor for him is how much cornerback is he playing. Still, though, I mean, you look at it, and he played... I should put this in my notes instead of looking through all these names right now. Where did he go? Does he exist? Oh, so he was ninth. Ninth in special team snaps. And just for example, I mean, Christian Gonzalez was 19th. That's 64 snaps, and uh, 9th was 107. So again, like even your number one cornerback is playing out there on special teams. Like they're, I don't, I don't think the Buffs are too scared about that. You, you can't afford to be not playing your best players if you're Colorado. I, I, I think we all see what's the state of the program. It's like, yeah, you need every edge you can get. You put your best players on the field as much as you can. It's kind of that simple. Um, so even if Torrin Pittman does play defense that's not going to cut in too much the point is though and where i was going with this ninth in snaps second in special teams points there's something going on there right there's something going on there um again worth noting wasn't out there for kick return uh wasn't out there much for punt return are the stats easier to get on the others potentially but i mean that's also why he was out there for the others i mean you have uh uh Anthony Lyle with the the big blocks. Torn Pittman's thing was that he led the team in um, first down the field. First down the field. First down the field is way led him in seven seven or seven times. He was the first player down the field on these coverage units. Uh, second most on the team was three. That's Daniel Arias. So again, like going through this, we're a lot of numbers early on, and I'm sorry about that. We're gonna get away from those in just a second. Um, but those are kind of the big three, I think. Anthony Lyle, Daniel Arias, Torn Pittman. And then there's there's where you have a bit of a gap. Um, number four, I went with Trevor Woods. And this was a tough one because, again, I mean, why is he on the list? He blocked that punt against Arizona and returned it for a touchdown. Now, he uh, he also only played... Wait, oh... 52 special team snaps this season, which puts him way down the list. I mean, in the 20s or maybe even 30s. So it's not like he was like a, a core guy out there. And, you know, he missed the game with an injury. He didn't play in the Texas A&M game at all. Um, you know, so you have like a couple of those little things. You patch those together and like maybe he cracks the top, whatever. Um, but because of the production he had and just the the way that he plays, the traits he has, you know, Ray Robinson, he was a safety slash linebacker. He was number three in your special team snaps. You know, Mark Perry, like I said, was top 10. Um, those two guys are gone. And when you're thinking, like, 
who can fill their role, like Trevor Woods is the easy answer. So I do think that Trevor Woods probably spends a lot of time out there, um, particularly on the kick and punt coverage units would be my guess. But after you block a punt, how do you not put him back out there, try block more? How do you not put him on the field goal block unit and see if he can do it? Like it, that is a skill. Like there's, there's guys who are good at it and it's such a small sample size thing that you can't be sure. But if somebody's done it before, you definitely give them a chance to do it again until you get to the, uh, get a reason to not to. Um, but Trevor Woods may be a little bit high on this list, but I do think that he, uh, he belongs. He belongs. Um, Mr. Williams is number five. He, uh, so here's a, here's a fun thing with him. He was 28th on the team in special team snaps. He had five unassisted tackles. That's the most on the team. I think he, I think he tied with somebody else with five. So he tied for first with one other person and was 28th in snaps. Like obviously things are going pretty well. His 10 special teams points were seventh despite playing that little, um, he, uh, he, to me, I mean, this is kind of the time, right? You know, you, you move on from those linebackers, you know, Carson Wells was out just outside the top 10. He's gone. So you're looking for a linebacker, Ray Robinson. He played some linebacker too, you know, Trevor Woods, maybe he fills in for the, uh, sorry, the Mark Perry snaps and Gonzo or not Gonzo, uh, Mr. Williams fills in for the Ray Robinson snap. Who knows? But I do think there's a path out there. I think that he's somebody who they really, they sh- at least they should. They should really want to have on the field, on the defense in 2023. And I think they'll want him on the field in 2022, but it might be hard to get him out there. Uh, so what do you do? Give him a lot of special teams reps and make sure he's ready to go. Um, I-, I think that he's going to be a key piece out there. Um, Nigel Bethel, he was a tough one to place, but he comes up here at number six. He is uh, obviously a corner who could wind up being your cornerback one. That's kind of one of the reasons why there's a little bit of pause. Um, he missed half the t- this season with the, the injury last year. Still was eighth in special teams points. There's going to be a role for him. Um, Austin Smith comes in at number seven here. And again, he's, he's big, he's strong, he's fast. Um, he actually... he. So he was hurt most of last season. He was cleared to play those last couple games. Knew he wasn't getting on the field. He's been on this podcast and talked about this. Um, but he he basically went to the coaches and said, I want to get on the field. I know what the situation is at tight end. Can you get me on special teams? Went on the punt return unit? Yeah, he was on the punt return unit for the last two weeks of the season was out there for, I think like three snaps. Um, he had a knockdown block on one of them, um, which is, I mean, picked up a point in three snaps. That's pretty solid. Uh, so again, he didn't do all that much last year, most because of the injury, but just given the way he plays football, there's a role for him somewhere. You know, is it on return units? Is it on coverage units? Is it on both? I think that's possible, but I do think that, he becomes one of those guys. And just the willingness to do it is part of it, right? Like, if you're getting excited to go out there, you're hoping to go out there and play, that's a, that's a step in the right direction, you know? So, um, Jaylee Stacks rounds out the list. It's not because he was out there all that much last year. I think it was like eight snaps last year, but he's a fullback, and that's what fullbacks do. There's got to be a role for him somewhere. I don't buy that there isn't. 
I'm not sure what it is, whether it's return teams. It's probably return teams. It could be coverage teams. I guess it's return teams. Um, I think he's out there. And and a couple of these are kind of deeper cuts. You know, there's guys like like Marvin Ham. He he could have made this list. Nico Reed uh, could have made this part of the list as well, although what he obviously does most is the returning. Um, Guy Thomas, Alvin Williams, Jalen Jackson, Noah Wagner, Kalen Moore, Isaiah Lewis probably should have been on here. So there's a lot of competition, but these are some of the guys who... I think we'll kind of make a name for themselves. You know, a lot of this is just like, it's not just who's going to get the opportunity here. When you're talking about a lot of the other positions, it's who's going to get the opportunity. Like, who is your Sam linebacker? It's like, I don't know, but it is easier to project. With this, it's like, okay, there's 11 guys who get this opportunity on each of these units. Who's going to make plays? And and my list is who's who's going to make these louder plays? Who's going to stand out when you think back on the season of special teams? If you think back on this season of special teams, um, that's going to do it for today. Uh, hope you guys are as entertained as I was. There's it's important stuff. Nobody else is talking about these things, but here at the DNVR buffs podcast, we, we get into the gritty, grimy special teamsy stuff because how else would we want to spend a Friday, um, a Friday evening even. Uh, so that's going to, that's going to do it for today. I'll be back on Monday. Who knows? Maybe there'll be news over the weekend. I'm certainly praying there'll be news. Odds are, though, I'm going to make some list of who's who's most likely to be able to do a backflip. You know, who knows? It'll be better than that. It'll be better than that. But I'll find something to talk about on Monday, and I'll see you guys then.